This podcast is brought to you by ThamesCon, bringing conventions to Oxford and London, including the Great Conjunction, the first ever dark crystal convention in the world. For more information, visit their website at www.thegreatconjunction.com. Another world, another time, in the age of wonder. You are listening to Trial by Stone. Trial by Stone! Dea, Tea, Dara, Tea. Your vital essence, the Dark Crystal. Kida, Kida. Come, come, see for yourself. Aru, Garu. How very interesting. Dea, Tea. I feel the song of Thra in my heart! Now go, you heroes of Thra! Hello and welcome to Trial by Stone, the Dark Crystal podcast. I'm your host, Phil. Just want to say thank you so much for tuning in as we discuss Saladon, of course, from the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. And, um, of course, with me, as always, is my co-host, Sydney. So, Sydney, how, how are you? We don't want to hear about me. We want to hear about Jamie. Oh. Jamie's back today. <laughs> yes, I'm here all the time. Everyone's I'm... used to me now. I no. know, I know. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm good. I'm excited that it's that you know it's the weekend and we're here and we're chatting about um, my goth queen and um, yeah, queen of queen of the redemption arc. And I'm glad to have Jamie back now. Things can get a little sassier. Yes, yeah. So uh, of course, you know, as you, uh, you know, as we mentioned, I think last time, I think we had you on, Jamie, for um, Heart Part Two. We we needed to get you on for Saladon because I think you certainly got a lot to say about her. So, Jamie, welcome back to the show, and and how have you been? Thank you for having me back. I was so excited. I've been looking forward to this all week. Like, this is gonna be a great weekend talking about Dark Crystal. I'm getting back into that place where I can feel like I can talk about it again after seeing the show ten times through. Um, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Nice, nice, nice. I mean, I mean that that's for me too. It's like I, I've sort of, you know, I mean, I, I mean, we, we're sort of, I mean, as we're, you know, we're, we're back on the show and all that kind of stuff. And I know that, you know, I, I mean, as we're recording this, we're sort of still on a bit of a break, you know, releasing these shows a lot later on, and it's sort of, you know, it's, um, but there, there are always dark crystal things that sort of, you know, keep popping up, um, you know, whether it's like the, you know, look at the wetter figurines that sort of. I mean, I actually finally got my date. Um, <laughs> I saw. Winner, so, She's yeah, gorgeous. So, oh yeah, very She's beautiful. She's the best one. And so, far. so I've got the the four heroes of Thra, and so I'm just waiting for the day when we um, because uh, I mean, currently I'm doing renovations to my place, um, and so once we move in, I'm hoping to have it nicely set up, um, in a way that it'll look very um presentable. So. Um, there's that and also you know just being you know sort of in the background I mean of course with life and all that kind of stuff in general but also you know you know I think it's sort of one of those things where I'm like oh I think I need to I think I need to watch the show again because it has been a while since I've watched you know all the 10 episodes yeah probably since probably last year I think late last year so really oh yeah (laughs) a whole year (laughs) I'm thinking 2019 oh yeah 2020 feels like it's five years long (laughs) yeah yeah so but no i mean it's always awesome you know you know chatting you know really getting back into chatting dark crystal and um yeah i mean you know going to talk about celadon um so i know we've chatted a lot about celadon um sydney and i in our previous 
um, episode. Um, so I thought I'll, I'll leave it to I'll leave it to you, Jamie. Uh, I don't know what uh, aspects of um, of um, Celadon you wanted to sort of discuss about. Maybe start with your favorite moment. What's your favorite thing? Your favorite Ooh, moment? Yeah, that's a good Celadon. question. Yeah. Well, I love Celadon. Like, obviously, she, she she's a character you love to hate. You know, um, she's so effective. The the everything that went that came to bringing her to life is so incredibly effective. I love it when she puts on her Skeksis robe and her crown. That's um, I love it when she pulls um, what's her name? Uh, Madra Farah out of the sky, essentially. Uh, she's flying around the the, yeah, the and you question for the, a second whether or not room. she used the force because it happened so fast. You're yes, like, did she yes, just? It was hard to s- did she just? And then you pause it and like, oh no, she just grabbed her out of midair. That's pretty cool too, though. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Now I, I actually remember when um Jason from the Great uh, the Dark Crystal Conjunction, uh, he actually made that video like specifically like on that moment and yeah, sort of you know <laughs> did a frame by frame like, like yep, yeah, no, de- there's um, contact. That, yeah, Celadon <laughs> definitely grabbed her. Um, and of course there was that, I, I remember that other video about, um, people were confused about Skekvar being Skekung. Um, I know that he did that one as well. Layman's. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. Yeah. Not yeah. gatekeeping. Yeah, I think, yeah. so I think my favorite moment actually is when she first presents herself to the Skeksis in her new costume and crown. It's just, she's so competent and, um, uh, full of herself and um, she has no self-doubt at that moment for a minute and um, despite her being terrible in a terrible state she is highly effective um, she, so I, when I she it. presents her new uh, awesome look to the other Madras do you think or when yes. she presents it to the Skeksis when she presents it to the Skeksis and they all stop yeah. to look they're like oh that moment Look what you yeah. did. Who you think you are. Yeah, no. basically. I mean, I, I feel like they probably were impressed on the one hand, but then at the same time, not so impressed that they were going to give her any sort of respect. Or We actually didn't really get into talking about that scene last time um, be, because what a lot of people have pointed out and what I think is just one of the most brilliant moments in the whole show period is the fact that when they strip her of her new garb um and it's very much mirroring the the scene with the chamberlain from the original movie and how cool it was that they incorporated a moment that is just a very clear callback to an iconic moment from the movie um completely flipping it on its head too yeah yeah and yeah it was very scary i remember like yeah just watching that scene you know for the first time that moment it's like oh my god you know how far are they actually gonna go with this yeah luckily it was just the garbs you know that's that's when i was like oh you know okay it's just it pushed the limits for a second there because at first you can't really tell what exactly they're doing like are they killing her Yeah, like are they ripping her clothes off like what's like you don't know where the show's how dark yeah are they gonna gonna like tear her apart are they eating her like you for a second you were like not sure what exactly was happening but then um but the tone they just did a really good job replicating that sort of terrifying disturbing tone that the stripping of the chamberlain had because i feel like when we all saw that scene for the first time it was sort of a similar thing where we were going like depending on how old you were i guess when you first saw the movie right i was four the first time i saw it and i you know my 
most vivid memories about my earliest experiences with that scene was just how iconic the Chamberlain's screaming, you know, and how gateway horror that was for, um, for the way he was just like, ah, the whole, the whole scene. And you're like, what are they doing to him? Um, and they, yeah. Um, so they, they did that in a different way for this scene with Celadon, but it still emulated that, that tone, I think. So really, really important moment. Yeah. And I think like the, the other thing I was thinking about her character is that like throughout the show, Mayron's talking about, you know, she feels bad about with Brea and then, you know, sending Tavra out and just having that moment of, you know, thinking about her family and then um, Saladin's sort of a bit like, well, you know, shouldn't Judy come first before family, you know, look at me as a princess and a daughter second. Um, and I feel like, you know, throughout uh Saladon's sort of journey i guess um i mean especially when she goes see the skeksis in her new clothes that you know she's really going duty way over family big time um well, i think part of that her own resentment she feels like her mom put her duty before her so she's kind of being spiteful about it in a way i think too like well this is how you treated me i was second place to to your duties in her mind you know, we as an audience kind of question that, you know, we know Mayrin meant well and that she loved all her daughters equally, but um, Celadon felt as though she was just being treated as the next Madra and not given any sort of affection. And so I think there was just a lot of spite and resentment there driving everything she did. For sure. I, I think that um, at least initially with Celadon, she's about scoring political points. All of the things she tells the Skeksis, she wants to be seen as a powerful player in the scheme of everything. And what I love about Celadon and her arc is that the writers knew that it's not just Skeksis bad, Gelfling's good, that you anyone can be corrupted if they're not careful. Um, and even even within the, the, the darkening happening and the Skeksis, whispers of the Skeksis, doing things there's certain gelfling who don't believe it and and um celadon is pushing that narrative yes it's not true they're liars they're liars it's just this narrative that she's picked up uh because she wants to be seen as loyal to them because in her mind they gave her power which essentially really they didn't but they all believe they did so that's how it works um, it's, it's very interesting how it's set up, but I love that they made Saladon a bad guy, quote unquote, um, and that um, it they, everyone had to sort of ask themselves, what do you believe? What is true? And even um, the, the lies about, um, which I think Saladon pushed about Rianne and him being sick, so don't dream fast with him. Um, all these lies, these quiet lies spread that she helped push, that she helped spread uh, to undermine their own society. But she was so intent on her own power, she didn't even see it or wouldn't yeah. see it. And I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely I think brilliant. wouldn't is, is the key there because then later in that same scene, you know, before she's, uh, you know, gets humiliated, she finds out the actual truth they boldface tell her like straight up to her face like yeah we do drain gelfling all of that's true we're you know do something about it what are you gonna do um 
and she's just begging and pleading to just still give them some sort of compromise like okay I'll let you keep doing it but just just spare my sisters like it comes down to she's like just just my sisters and then everyone else you can have I don't care just keep me and my sisters okay and they're still just like no no and once she does have the truth in front of her and she can't argue with it anymore she's still like doubling down yes she is it's interesting the the presentation of the truth you can be presented with the truth and still not quite believe it or accept it um it's the saying that you can if you don't own the truth the truth will own you and that happens to her. And even when she's jailed after they strip her of everything, she's in the jail completely bitter. She doesn't. She sees um, Brea next, you know, in the cell across from her. She doesn't care. She doesn't. She's angry. She's angry that she's lost power. She's angry at all of it. She has no empathy at that point until she's pushed further on. Until then, it becomes something, you know, when um, uh, Tavra is is killed or maimed initially then it wakes her up but it took that much to wake her up it reminds me of um even in politics where you hear people say they'd have to do this in order for them for me to not follow them anymore or a politician saying i could shoot somebody on fifth avenue and he'd still vote for me it's that idea of celadon was really an example of cult thinking of group think she was in a part of this cult of skeks of Skeksis rule and there was no telling her different until she had to experience the worst of it herself well also like so many other aspects of the show that sort of lesson in how difficult it is and yet how important it is to be able to say this is something that I have known to be normal for the majority of my life something that I've been conditioned to believe is normal and now I'm being challenged to change my viewpoint on something that has been a part of my identity and my way of life and many times it is healthy to acknowledge when I have been wrong about something that seemed so important and so crucial to who I am and the way that I live it might be wrong and then taking that as an opportunity to then change for the better and to then rather than be ashamed of the fact that you were wrong and that you have to you know be embarrassed that you change then you know be grateful for the opportunity to learn and to be better and Celadon's just another really extreme example of that lesson of how deep your own pride and your own fear of change and fear of the status quo being disrupted how that fear can just take you to the nastiest places all in the name of just not having to admit that you were wrong the fear of losing power and what that does to people who think they deserve that power um and how much they fight for i'm curious though with you guys i don't know in terms of what you discussed there have been uh fans say that have said about saladon uh they should have done this to her she didn't deserve this blah 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 and i remember reading it and thinking whoa like because i believe that I believe in forgiveness and redemption. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't consequences to your actions. Um, I believe that you can forgive and murderers and things like that, but that doesn't mean that they shouldn't be in jail for the rest of their life and pay for what they've done. Celadon wasn't a murderer, but she certainly contributed to some deaths. Absolutely. Um, what do you guys think about um, people who have no 
mercy for her. How did have you, did you discuss that? Uh, we didn't really fully get into that, but I have a lot of uh, comments and and sort of thoughts for get opening up in because I knew you were going to want to talk about that today. So we didn't dive into that part too much in the first time because I figured that was going to kind of dominate this 45 minutes right now. <laughs> um, but I have many thoughts. Phil, you go because I'm prepped with comments and stuff like I'm like, oh, I'm ready for this part. <laughs> I I definitely think with the show, I think she's probably redeemed, you know, at, you know, from the end of episode one uh from episode 10 i should say um you know she really learned her lesson um and really i mean the redemption sort of started when olgra um came in and sort of sacrificed her life you know to save others and for me i thought that was sort of the moment that sort of um got her to switch you know to realize okay you know uh i gotta fight alongside the gelflings you know they were right um and um we talked about how that was like almost uh, a religious yeah. experience like seeing the sacrifice and rebirth of agra was almost like a like a christ-like revelation of like oh i've you know seen this amazing thing happen and so it's almost like she's redeemed on a spiritual level and that's what pushes her have you guys done an episode about agra yet no i mean other okay. than talking okay. to donna okay. kimball about agra <laughs> yes yes yeah uh i did do that <laughs> just gonna remind everyone that that we happened that, we? <laughs> but <laughs> phil and i had to i know so i'm just right. trying to hold on to anything <laughs> but phil here's the question though i'm gonna pin you down a little bit more how do you feel like yourself are you able to how are you able to forgive Celadon easily and then there are people fans in our community that are like no I don't forgive her I don't she should have it was some people said it was bad writing she should have you know eaten it or been killed or whatever how are you forgiving for, forgiving of her I think I'm forgiven of her because um I mean I will say it is a very conflicting thing it's you know whether you know whether she deserves a forgiveness, you know, from the end of episode 10 or whether, um, you know, the, the Galflings, you know, whether they decide to, oh, we, we need a pun, you know, say had they, had they do a season two and then it's like episode 11 and they're like, oh, we need to prison her because, you know, she did all these um, bad things and, you know, she was re responsible for doing this and, you know, Galflings were drained um, for that. Um but I think um, I I think it would be interesting if they did do that in you know say in episode eleven. But I kind of feel like uh, you know for a family no no not family show, but because I don't think they'll have enough time to sort of you know expand on that. You know, had the show got three seasons, maybe they could go in that direction. But I kind of feel like you know if they're going to do a season two, um, I think they're probably just going to you know let it pass um, and. Uh, I mean, it would be interesting to see, you know, whether um, she has to prove herself sort of again uh, a lot more. But I think Brea would probably uh, really defend her. And I think through Brea's defense um, that you, I, I think with Saladon, I don't... She's not an evil character. Like, she's not... She didn't murder anyone. And, and even though, like, yeah, she did do bad things sort of in a way you know partly responsible for her mother's death um 
in that way and, and you know willing to sacrifice golflings uh but she was just um I, I i think just her mindset for a very long time was always about duty well you know thra and slash the skexies over the golfling or over family and i think you know when when she was let go you know when um uh with with olga coming in and you know saying you know i'll you know sacrifice myself in in you know for the golfling's lives that i think she realized that well really family should go first or golfling should go first over the skexies and I think it's, I mean, I, I, I can totally understand with, um, uh, with Saladon because I mean, if you think about the Skeksis have ruled for, you know, almost a thousand years. So, you know, for, for a lot of Gelflings, they used to be, you know, sort of living, I guess, you know, um, alongside the, the Skeksis. So, um, I can understand that, you know, why she, she was very devout. She was very devout and, um, would do anything, anything for the Skeksis. Like, yeah, even though, you know, one day I'll be the Ormoja, but I'm going to do as much as I can, you know, for the Skeksis. And and really, no, none of them really knew sort of the backstory about, you know, what what they were like before the Skeksis, you know, when they were Skeks. That sort of history really disappeared over time. And I think, yeah, I, I think for her, it's just like her mindset was always about the Skeksis over family and then towards the end you know switch to family over skexies so i think in that way that because of the of the change within her like and i guess like you said jamie especially with um uh with tavros to death sort of hit her really hard especially like early in the show when there was like that nice conversation between her and tavra and you know that tavra was really being upfront with her about saying you know that you know you're thinking you know that mum you know that you're just angry about your mum and, and and just like the little moments where she's like you know you know and i find meetings boring and so there was a bit of humor like there was a bit of lightness a bit of light to saladon but i think for a long time it's just sort of just the dark side i guess uh not the darkening but just the dark side of Tavra sort of of um saladon just took over for a long time and i think yeah i, I definitely think through Olga's sacrifice and then Tavra's death. Um, I think that's when she completely turned tables. And you know, like she she fought I mean, she fought alongside the the Gelfling in, in the final battle. So you think through those actions that well that's the thing, is whether those actions was enough, you know, of forgiveness. And like I I, th- I like I think it is, because I think um, you know, that they need all the Gelflings that they need, you know, they need you know everyone to to fight and i think you know especially like you know i mean even in that episode like it was only you know a small team of gelfling it wasn't until the end that it, all the all the other clans have joined up as well so the fact that celadon sort of had the support or she you know she supported um what the heroes of thra you know with rian and, and Brea and deet and and everyone what they were doing that being one of the very early ones to fight alongside the Skeksis um, at the Battle of Stone of the Wood or the second Battle of Stone of the Wood, um, that I think that that's probably, I think that's redeemable. I think that's, I think that's enough. Yeah. 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 
Well, you also bring up a good point that it, it wasn't necessarily that her redemption was rushed. It's that they're, they wanted to leave something open for the story to continue um, because there's still a lot of potential for what happens after season one with Celadon's continued redemption. Like, she redeemed herself well enough for what she was allowed to do. Hold on, there's a big car that was just rooming outside. <laughs> um, she, she redeemed herself enough for her uh, to fight alongside them, for her to be welcomed to the cavalry. But it's not like they were saying, we accept you as our queen now. They were just saying, we accept you as part of our fight now. But the next part of that arc, which we just haven't had the opportunity to see yet, would be, do we accept you as a leader again? She still has to prove herself in that way. And that would have made for some really great storytelling in another season. And it wasn't, I don't think it would have made sense to start getting into that in season one just yet. You know, there's, there was already so much going on and it was just the urgency of getting that battle fought and getting as many soldiers in that battle as possible. So I think, you know, for example, killing her off would have just taken away some uh, the potential for a really great story to continue in terms of Celadon's character in the future. Because we do have a lot of suggestions. A lot of people had these ideas about, like, it would have been cooler if, you know, that scene where they were stripping her, if they had actually killed her. You know, if we really think about that for a minute, that would have actually, I think, taken away the impact of that scene. It would have made it less impactful, less important, if, if they had just killed her off the same as they did the Almadra. Because there's so much symbolism there about the fact that she adorned herself to be like one of them. And they took tore that away from her and humiliated her instead of just killing her off. So, um, although I did want to bring this up, somebody, this was a comment from a while ago. Um, somebody said that they thought that Celadon's story would have been, this is from Sam Rosardi, by the way, in the Crystal Shard. So actually it was about a three week old comment. So not that bad. Um, I think Celadon's story would have been so much more compelling if she'd become one of the templates for the Gartham. Grunax for strength, Arathim for armor, Celadon for unwavering loyalty. Yeah. Yeah. That is harsh. Oh, oh what? I, I, and, and actually thinking about that, what if it was like the essence yeah. of Celadon? Yeah. The <laughs> essence of Celadon. Her cruelty. Yeah. Yes. I'm, 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 like, yeah. I, mean, I mean, you could think about it. Um, because we know, yeah, it's a combination of Grunax and Arathim. And I know, I think, um, uh, Jeff and Will, I think they did talk about, I think, originally that it was sort of like, oh, it was going to be like sort of the prototype sort of thing. Um, but whether when they make more, because when they figure, because when um, Skektek's able to figure out how to drain Gelfling like slowly without, you know, killing them, whether their essence, or I mean, you know, Saladon's essence, for example, could be you know a part yeah could be a part of the, the Gotham. See, I do so I think, think that's like, very interesting, that would be interesting. Mm. um because then it's like that's a different sort of take than just she did bad things she deserved to be drained just because I hate her and she was evil and she deserves to be punished because that's just you know sort of cold and dismissive whereas having her essence drained for the purpose of then 
being used for this genocide, for her essence to be what gives life to the Gartham, that's interesting to me. I don't, I, I'm, I'm not going to say I, I also wish that that's what had happened because I think that's, it's a lot still. Um, however, I don't hate it. I have to say it's, it's not an awful idea from a storytelling point of view. It is still very impactful, that thought that she let her, her malice, like you say, and her resentment go so far and so deep that it ends up becoming who she is in her actual essence and that that can then play a huge role in the next chapter of absolute terror that happens to the Gelfling with with the Gartham. So I think that's a really creative idea. Um, and ultimately, it's not off the table, right? If the story were to continue, that is something that could eventually still happen, except now it just wouldn't make as much sense with her, you know, already starting to have her redemption story. So I'd rather see a redemption story, <laughs> I think. Um, uh, uh, well, I mean, I mean, I was thinking about sort of more redemption um, through Celadon. And of course, I mean, I mean, I love that moment where, you know, with, with Pharaoh when, you know, she's, you know, about to die. And, you know, she said, you know, your mother would be proud of you. Um, so I thought that was a really nice moment um, in, in that regard. Um, but I think with Celadon, I'm like, I, I do think about um, where there would be a scene, you know, where the Gelflings, you know, I mean, that's the thing. Brainwood defended. It's like, well, she fought us side by side, and maybe there might be some something like Celadon says something. Well, I know something that you don't. That that my mother told me that you don't. That no one knows. What would that be? Hmm. I don't know. No one knows what. <laughs> what, what? I I don't know. Just, just I don't know. Just just something like um. You think Celadon would know something she doesn't? Celadon would know something Brea doesn't? Or Brea knows something Celadon? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that Celadon knows something that Brea doesn't know. Or or Tavra doesn't know. Or because, of course, you know, with with Celadon, like, you know, she was training, sort of training up to be, you know, one day the old Mordra, whether there was, like, some lessons from Mordra, from from her mother about certain things, and there might have been something else that she knows that no one else knows um and that could be you know and and i can i can help you i can you know i can help you with this knowledge that i have you know this has been a secret you know passed on to all the mordras and she gave me this secret so Um, on that note i think that would be cool then you know let's say in our in our fantasy for season two um i think a really it will will, will yes but in the meantime while we (laughs) fantasize about it i think um not necessarily that celadon should then continue to become all madra i think it would be the ultimate in redemption for celadon if she then took it upon herself to then prepare brea to become all madra or to um not necessarily all madra but for a position of leadership for that ultimate like making peace with my sister and relinquishing all of this resentment that I had for her because I thought she was the favorite and getting treated better than I was for whatever reason. It would be like the ultimate show that she had completely turned over a new leaf to be able to say, I'm becoming vulnerable now to share my power intentionally and deliberately with Brea and sort of help her to grow. And um, because I think I, I talked about last time how 
I, I believe that the idea of the Almadra needs to kind of go away entirely after this point in the story because the concept of the Almadra and the political power and stuff, that was all something that was fashioned by the Skeksis to manipulate them and not something that's inherent to Gelfling nature. It's not in their nature to separate from each other and to decide who's better and who has power and who doesn't. That's all something that the Skeksis implemented to drive them apart and to keep them malleable right so now that the gelfling are becoming more self-aware and more uh powerful and trying to detach from what the the skexies have imparted onto them i think they're going to just undo that concept of the the all madra altogether and so there won't be one for you know that position is no longer up for grabs at that point but still a sort of symbolic celadon saying i no longer care about you know my own power and I want I can see that my sister who I've been jealous of this whole time I can see that she has the makings for a better leader than than I could be for her to acknowledge that I think is the the most logical step for her story yeah because I mean at the end I mean you know as Olga says you know you're all united as one so I think you know they're one big one big family one big clan um essentially and and again i was just thinking about you know you know thinking about season two if it does happen um when you know when? that moment where you, where you could have we're manifesting yeah, it you could have we saladon but you have but, you have, on, but the, again I'm, I'm still going with this theory um that saladon dream fast with Brea, and then you get the dream fast between saladon and mordra and and mayan yeah well, I think that's a great idea, too, because then I think Brea, if Brea was able to see all of the events of her life and her childhood with Celadon, because if you think about it, they lived through so many of the same experiences, but from her own perspective, it probably looked very different compared to Celadon's perspective. So for her to see her life again through the eyes of Celadon and to then sort of get a new perspective on, oh, this was what I thought was happening, but this is how what you were going through during all of that, that would be just then another layer of that uh, redemption again and forgiveness and the two sisters making peace. Um, also, I think the fact that, <laughs> semi, semi-book spoiler alert warning here, but the idea that Tavra is not actually dead that that her spirit still exists in the form of that spider and that they when they become aware of that if they if they were to continue that like they did in the books um and make that a part of the story in the future i think that would be another driving force to bring celadon and brea together and sort of reconcile that relationship between them the the sort of journey to um help tavra to rejoin you know find her body or whatever however they would um explore that so i think i think you're right phil if if uh there was a moment where celadon and brea dream fast and we get sort of that sequence of seeing their childhood also how great would that be to just from a cinematic point of view to see that sequence of brea and celadon's childhood played out before our eyes would just be so great and to see all these moments of them bonding as sisters you know when they were little and different things that they went through and that would just be beautiful i was just yeah i was actually thinking about remember the the fan art i think someone did of yeah. like the baby uh you know saladon tavra and uh, Brea. you know recreate that moment yeah yeah um uh, yeah well i i would suppose that um the idea of redemption what is redemption for if not to redeem people 
do we only redeem people who we think worth who are worth redeeming like that's the thing like uh like to the earlier point of people who think Taver should have or uh Celadon should have ate it or been killed like that if we are only going to forgive people who we think are worthy of forgiveness, the world's going to be a very small place. Yeah. And is that really um, even forgiveness at that point? It's not. Yeah. 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 Because if forgiveness is, and forgiveness isn't saying people always misunderstand what forgiveness means. Forgiveness isn't saying what you did is okay. Now I'm okay with it. It's saying I'm letting go what, what you did of with what you did and I'm going to move past it. I'm not going to carry it with me anymore. Yeah, le- learning and redemption from mistakes, is yeah. finding, finding sort of purpose in the struggle. What is your, what did, and I think in, in large part, Celadon paid for her actions with the death of her sister. She caused that. Um, in some ways, she caused what happened to her mother. Not, whole, not fully, but in some ways she did. She took the side, she went and ratted out on her mother to the Skeksis. Um, if she wouldn't have done that, her mother might have still been living. So arguably the death of her family is, are on her hands or, 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 or the blood of her family are on her hands or is on her hands, but that's a hefty consequence. Um, so should she pay more for that? I don't No, I don't, she's going to, she'll be living with that for the rest of her life. That's some heavy, that's a heavy consequence. I don't think you could do more to Celadon than she has done to herself. Um, but again, I pivot back to what redemption is and being redeemed. And, you know, there are many stories throughout human history of people who've done horrible things, atrocities, and they've climbed back out of that and done amazing things, asked for forgiveness, went to the families of the people that they harmed. They became friends. It's not everybody. It's not a ton of people, but there are very specific stories, even Religious history is full of leaders who were torturers and murderers, and then they became the religious leaders of the time. So again, what is redemption for if not to redeem people? Um, and so I think Celadon is fully worthy of it. Um, and she becomes, her story becomes even more powerful if we can learn a lesson from it. If we just kill her off because she deserves it, that's just, that's just vindictive and vengeance. It's like, it's like cancel culture. You did something, I mean, not that, obviously, it was more than bad than what she did. It, it caused the death of people or gelflings. Like you said, she has to live with that. She's, there's there's another story to be told about her dealing with that and how, in a way, because a lot of people, that the idea is because she's responsible for that, she deserves to pay for it. Well, like you said, what if the fact that she went through that, don't you think that's also damaging to her and the fact that she now has to live with that and and deal with it for the rest of her life that's not payment in itself and that she's not suffering because of that I mean especially when you consider the majority of all of the things she does come from a place of suffering to begin with she's just she's traumatized and she's afraid and she's lost and that is you know in so many religious teachings across the board so many of them teach us that that's the perfect candidate for somebody to see the light and to then be an example for the rest of humanity like no matter how awful it gets there is still hope and it is a beautiful part of existence to be able to take somebody um 
who has done these awful things and to acknowledge that it's okay to change and to challenge preconceptions and to forgive and to ask forgiveness um you know it's it's you it's easy to just be like well they deserve it well then it's not really forgiveness at that point at all and who are we to decide what people deserve and it's also understandable too that people feel like essentially the term is vengeance they want vengeance for what they've done that's also understandable and it's it it you you totally you would get it if something happened by the hand of someone and they say someone in your family got killed or by an accident or whatever or because of your own greed or lust for power or whatever some horrible thing happens and the people at the other end of that are like you need to pay do i understand that absolutely do i begrudge them that never would i ever judge that never because i'm not in that place so i think there's room for and i'm sure if there is a season another season or a movie or another show on a different streaming network or whatever if they had Gelfling that, you know, when they picked up the story, they're like, no, she needs to go to prison. Celadon, do you see what she's done to us? Do you, and people and have that conversation um, and have Brea say and have Celadon say, probably, yes, they're right, Brea. They're right in what they feel. They're right in them feeling this way towards me. Um, but then the redemption story within that context becomes even more powerful where you're like, no, I forgive you. Um, and maybe you should, I, I would imagine maybe Celadon goes hiding in the woods. Um, like the, you know, we see her running with the baby and the, wait, no, that was Brea with the baby. Never mind. Don't, don't you think though, that if they had tried to cram that part of the story into episode 10, for example, or in any part of season one, really, if they had tried to cram in, you know, her facing judgment, and having to expand upon her redemption arc further with the other Gelfling, that would have felt out of place, and then that would have felt rushed. I feel like it makes more sense to leave those things for the next chapter. I don't think it makes sense given the context of the urgency of the first season. Yes, agreed. Um, yeah, it wasn't. They don't have yeah. the time to work that out. They need to work yeah. it out after they've pushed the Skeksis. From their yeah, home. Because I don't think it's that Celadon was forgiven quickly. It's not that she was forgiven and absolved of everything. There was there wasn't really anything indicating that she was suddenly facing Yeah, there was not even a yeah, conversation she, about that. They just were like, The Skeksis are coming, yeah, we need to we deal just, with this. We need to know that um, you're on our side immediately now for this fight. We're forgiving you as far as makes sense for the urgency of this moment, but it wasn't complete absolution. It wasn't like they were giving her a crown or anything so um i invite if anything she disappeared with them you know like she was fighting with them and flying in the air she stopped being this that celadon of the story and became a team player so she kind of disappeared in the ranks yeah and uh i i touched on the last time we talked about this how i think important it is for young girls in particular to see the um the dynamic between Celadon and Madra Farah, how they have this this conflict. We have two females in positions of power who are butting heads at the beginning and they're sort of in opposition and want to like do a smackdown trial by error situation. And then, you know, they go from being rivals 
to fighting side by side and to having this beautiful moment where where Farah tells her like your mother would be proud of you um there's in my opinion you know as as a woman not enough um in the media examples of encouraging women who are in opposition to then forgive one another and and move past that opposition i think there's this almost cultural societal pressure on women to um butt heads with each other and to be in competition with each other and this was sort of a nice little commentary on that on how important that is too to consider in a society that is very matriarchal (laughs) for um, a matriarchal society does not necessarily mean that all women in power have to be in opposition and are incapable of um, forgiving one another and for for standing side by side even if they're in opposing parties so to speak (laughs) so I think that's another um, important layer of what happens with with Celadon's journey to absolution so while i will agree with comments that say that her absolution isn't complete in season one i say to that that's very intentional and and important it wouldn't have made sense to complete her journey to absolution in season one i i invite those people to yeah i invite those people to watch it again (laughs) yeah 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 i I definitely think yeah it would it, it would be very interesting if they um if you know if they did do a season two if that was like sort of the first thing in episode one to sort of um mention about you know what the gulflings think you know whether she'd be in prison or you know or, or if she redeemed through her actions for, for, through the um the second battle of stone in the wood fighting alongside the gulflings um yeah so it's all it's all very interesting um indeed yeah. so yeah no I'm... but all these all these posts i keep seeing of like celadon deserved to be drained change my mind like watch the show again before you jump to to make those kinds of judgments i mean you're entitled to your opinion or whatever but like it's wrong though <laughs> <laughs> well what's so funny about those opinions too is like i don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole but like it, those opinions to me are so foreign especially being raised in fundamentalist religion myself where I, I was always hearing you deserve this you deserve that you don't you get on your knees and pray you know like you're never good enough we're never good enough over and over that's the mantra you're never good enough he died on that cross for you or whatever you know um and so when i hear people say those things about saladon it's like these are why we have redemption stories, you know, like this is, this is why redemption is so important because you are, it's not about you being good enough. It's about, we are all flawed people and we all make mistakes. And sometimes those mistakes are horrendous and sometimes they affect other people. Um, but sometimes there's a lesson in there too. Uh, quickly to one point that you made, which if you guys ever, you know, eventually talk about this in terms of the empowering of female characters, people write, female characters is in opposition because it um it robs them of power when you when you write women who work together and get along well and empower each other it creates this this incredible wall of power and a lot of people are threatened by that um but and uh there's a great a great dynamic between brea and um deet they had that connection they fought for each other they were there for each other it was really really strong and powerful not a lot of people talk about it but it was part of what makes that show so amazing is that they could work together yeah 
I mean, because I think it passes. I, I, is it called the Bechdel de- test where uh, it passes? I, I think this show pretty much clearly passes the test. I don't think, I, I mean, I might be wrong, but I don't think that there's a, actually a scene where there's, you know, two female gelflings that talk about a, a male gelfling. Yeah. Especially since I do not think, any romantic yeah, part yeah. of the story is sort of just an undercurrent. It's just sort of an aspect that's there. Yeah, but it's not a driving force. It's not the reason why the characters do what they do. It never detracts from what's happening. Um, so, yeah, you're right. There's never, you know, and I'm not necessarily a huge subscriber to, like, does this movie pass the Bechdel test or else I'm not watching it. I don't think that's an end-all be-all for whether or not a movie has good female characters. But it is a good, um, another piece of data to consider that, um in the way that it examines uh, female characters. And yeah, it is interesting that the, uh, the female relationships are really not any different than the relationships between the, the male and female characters in that they're not just there to serve the male characters. <laughs> they're, they're just as powerful. They have, um, you know, they, they empower each other. They have all these important messages of forgiveness and um, listening to one another and respecting the differences, like the cultural differences between, you know, the Groton character and the Vaprin character. And, um, you know, it's a really it's a really interesting and important topic to get into about how, you know, just because these characters have all of these differences or come from different backgrounds doesn't mean that they necessarily have to speak different languages <laughs> from the heart and that they can't be uh supporting it, each other so and really kira set up that dynamic honestly kira was the 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 paved the way how they presented her um her goodness and her kindness but her strength and her ability to sort of take the lead from jen saying i got this i'll do it she didn't say it with her 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 mouth she said it with her actions she said it with her support and deet picked right up on where, where kira not left off because it's a prequel obviously but it's she's in the legacy of that strength and it's not power and that's where it's interesting because to pivot to celadon i know i don't know if you're we have to end this soon but um celadon was the antithesis to, the antithesis of, of kira and deet i'm doing this for me my power what i want you you know she wasn't about we she wasn't about um she was about holding her own legacy close which goes against sort of the gelfling the gelfling creed um which is we're, this is about all of us this is about what affects all of us and deet and brea and kira and rianne and most everyone else knew the stakes celadon chose not to and deliberately ignore them you know, even when they were faced in front of her. It's not even that she was um, not aware of what was happening. It was actually the true definite definition of, of ignorance of there it is, but I'm ignoring it because it doesn't serve me. Or politically expedient mm-hmm. for her not to. Yep. You know? It doesn't serve me to acknowledge this. I'm deliberately ignoring it to continue things the way that I think are better for me. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think that the continued discussion of Celadon's absolution is just another reason why this story is so not over. No, I mean, that, I mean that's the thing. Yeah, we certainly hope that 
you know there'll be that one day where they'll be able to conclude you know to continue on with the story and sort of um tie up all these loose ends you know all, all these things you know that happened in season one it's like well we want to know more about what happens to her you know whether it's Celadon or all these other characters um that's still all up in the air and um yeah we just really hope that one day yeah that Henson Company and um you know the, the fate of the franchise I guess you know in this era um I think it'll be interesting to see what, what happens next yeah. so I yeah, really want to yeah, see who Celadon is once you take away this, <laughs> mm. the 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 struggle that she has in this whole season of like fighting that darkness and being so bitter and resentful. And once you sort of take away those layers and we get to examine who she was before all of these things started infecting her and she got to just have a relationship with her sisters and like, what's her personality like when you, when you get underneath all that and just who she is as a gelfling um and you you chip away at the darkness who is she at that point she's probably a cool character and she's probably you know got an interesting personality that would add a fun dynamic to the to the party once she's um once she's sort of accepted in and and finds her place among them now that the journey to be all madra is off the table what's left of her at that point i want to know what that is um that's what makes her such a good character to me is that i i still want to see all that now that that first part of the story is over well you're not going to be all madra anymore one way or another because a they're probably not going to have all madras at all anymore and b even if they are you probably blew it on that front so um who are you now that that aspect is gone i really want to meet that celadon so please please <laughs> well i think we'll we'll wrap it up for this episode of trial by stone um again jamie thank you so much for uh coming on for, for this episode and sort of definitely getting your thoughts about celadon really appreciate your time and again thank you cindy for being on as well um and yeah you know we just got so many character discussions to come and uh yeah no so it's all good so again thank you so much and uh stay tuned for more trial by stone if you'd like to get in contact with the show you can do so at darkcrystalpodcast at gmail.com you can also like us on facebook follow on twitter and instagram and subscribe on youtube If you'd like to know more about the podcast, visit our website at www.darkcrystalpodcast.com. Thank you so much and stay tuned for the next episode of Trial by Stone. This podcast is brought to you by ThamesCon, bringing conventions to Oxford and London, including the Great Conjunction, the first ever dark crystal convention in the world. For more information, visit their website at www.thegreatconjunction.com.